What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. All right, Mr. Milam, are you ready? I'm ready to do it. It's time for the game of drones. <laughs> okay, do I need to say summer is coming? <laughs> spring. We, we got to get to spring first. Spring. spring is coming. Should should spring sound as uh, foreboding as winter, though? Shouldn't it be something like light and happy and full of flowers spring and butterflies and berries? Here comes the spring, guys. Spring is coming. The drones are getting out of the cages and they're getting out of the hives and they're flying looking for a queen. There you go. I'm done. Okay. Well, almost. Um, that's the goal, obviously, is uh, is to get to that point. Um, by the way, sorry that the radio segment um, was a, a failure. We didn't manage oh, no. to have our conversation because the as soon as, as um, Eric told me, no, your signal sounds good. Sounds good. We went over the overpass and curved and started heading north. And as soon as we started heading north on 130, it started dropping. <laughs> yeah, what well, we'll do is we'll do it again here in a week or two. All right, that works. First and foremost, we haven't actually done this for a little while, but I wanted to give a shout out to our newest Patreon members out there. Thank you so much for helping support the show and allowing us to continue producing the free Monday content for everybody for the educational segments of the Hive Jive. We really, really, really appreciate that. So a big shout out out there to Jack, Chris, Bryce, John, AI, which actually stands for something, but I don't have that pulled up here just at this moment. I think Artificial it's Anthony. Intelligence. Well, yeah, no, no, but I think it's actually Anthony, <laughs> Teresa, okay. Karen. Um, welcome back, Karen. Christina, welcome back to Jill. Thank you all for joining and or rejoining us there on Patreon. We really, really, really greatly appreciate it. And again, for anybody who is interested, there is a lot of content out there on Patreon, bonus episodes, behind the scene content, um, deeper dive episodes, training and education videos, tutorials, you name it. Um, you can find that on patreon.com forward slash hive jive. And it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hive jive. All righty then. Well, so there's been a lot of chatter uh, back and forth and, and every area is absolutely different uh, when it comes to everything in beekeeping. You know, the, the little microcosms that you can be in from one neighborhood to the next in the same town can be radically different, let alone different towns and different states and regions and things like that. So um, keep in mind that all of this should be tailored to your region Use the overarching concepts to help yourself figure out where you're at and what you need to do, but don't go verbatim on what I'm about to say because I'm going to give specific dates and times based here in Central Texas and Southern Texas. Um, and in your area, that may be different. So just kind of tailor that accordingly. But it is, there's been a lot of chatter about colonies that are already um getting ready to swarm we had one of our listeners down in san antonio had uh, posted some pictures on her instagram of multiple eggs inside a single queen cell and mm. or a queen cup and the 
the queen is present, so she's there. It's not a laying worker situation. And uh, oddly enough to that, though, kind of a side note, I did look at a nuke colony, a nucleus colony, and it had multiple eggs in multiple cells, but it uh, only two. Let me rephrase that. It only had two eggs, but it had two eggs in like 35 cells. There were 10 on one side and then the rest on the other side of one frame where, or one bar technically, because it was a top bar nuke, um, where, you know, there would be single egg, single egg, single egg, and then there'd be two eggs and they were right down in the bottom. And there's a lot of different reasons uh, why that can sometimes happen. When a virgin queen, very first time after she's been mated and she comes back in and she's now a fully mated queen and she starts her very first laying cycle, Sometimes she will do that. Um, in other times, if the queen runs out of space, which this was not the case here, <laughs> but if the queen runs out of space, sometimes she'll go back through and she'll recycle over the, the ones she's already done and she will lay another egg. And sometimes you'll see one or two when she first starts up. And that could be the case coming out of winter. She's been dormant all winter and now coming into spring, she's going to start laying and she might, you know, have a little mishap or a misfire where she accidentally does one cell twice because she backs up into the wrong cell or she gets confused or whatever. So um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but just keep an eye on it though. Uh, The bees will go through sometimes and rectify it and remove one of those out of there. If there are multiple eggs, the nurse bees will will take care of that for you sometimes. So just something to be aware of. But anyhow, colonies are prepping to swarm. And it could be that multiple reasons. It could be that the colony itself is already at that maximum point where there's plenty of bees, plenty of food, and no space left inside their colony. You know, and so now it's time to think about, well, should we add the boxes and should we do this? But the bees are already thinking, well, we should divide. Anyhow, other things that can make them start thinking about swarming would be that the queen pheromone may be weak. And it's not, even though the population of the colony is not that big, the queen's pheromone may not fully be getting spread to all of the bees. And this can cause the bees to force her to do the the swarm procedure. Or she could choose to do it herself because she thinks that since how her pheromones not spreading as far that, you know, they must have a very big population and and it's time to go ahead and do that reproductive cycle. So there's lots of things that can cause it. But as we've discussed in the past, all of that is moot if you don't have sufficient drone populations out there to mate with these newly emerging virgin queens, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you said when you and Max went out there and you looked at some of yours, you guys did have some colonies that had drones in them and you had others that yep. had drone brood in it. Yep. So I did. I have seen reports from some of the southern regions, San Antonio and further south around the Gulf Coast, where they do have their larger colonies do have adult drones in them and their other colonies are starting to raise drones. And I have a couple of my bigger colonies that also have drones in them. I have one colony that I highly suspect had drones in it all winter. I don't think they ever kicked them out. (laughs) (laughs) So there could be that. It's not necessarily that they've raised new ones yet. It's just that the other ones didn't go away. So going through and, and taking all that into consideration, you still have to figure out the timeline for what a drone does and when. And for me, what I like to do 
is base it on the feral colonies that I encounter when I'm going through and doing removals. And I have seen a few feral colonies now. And on the feral colonies, they have drone brood. And they've got both open and capped drone cells. But not any adult drones in those colonies just yet. That's what I base mine on. Because that gives me a better idea of what's out there in the the natural environment where nobody has intervened and done anything to assist the colonies, right? Because right. your bees in, in one single apiary, and this is something that I think sometimes people don't quite grasp. You can have an apiary where all the bees are, are together and say you have 20 hives. And though, yes, you are flooding the drone congregation area in your region with your drones, you're not necessarily flooding the drone congregation area where your queen goes to to mate because the drones are going to go one direction and they fly a shorter distance. The queen is going to go an opposite direction and she flies a further distance. And part of that is so that she does not mate with her own offspring. So she's going to go further and she's going to go the opposite direction, which means that where she goes to mate, is not necessarily going to be your drones if you only have one apiary. Queen breeders and people that raise them on purpose, they strategically figure this out, and they set up a drone yard where they're purposefully raising drones of a specific stock and lineage that they really like, and then, then in a separate area, they set up their queen yard. And they do this so that the two will intersect and those queens will more than likely wind up in the drone congregation area from their drone yard so that they can really ensure that the genetics that they want are being imparted to the queens that they're raising. Most people that just have one apiary have a few hives. That's not what we're doing. So just something, you know, food for thought there to, uh, to keep in mind. So, all right. So on the drones, if we're basing it mm -hmm. on the feral colonies that nobody has messed with, then we can go through and we'll use... Well, we'll use the release date. So this release date is Monday the 8th, and we'll use that as our starting date. And if we know that a colony has roughly half of it uncapped adult larvae that are pretty fat that need to be capped here pretty soon, and the other half are already capped, what we'll do is we'll use the, the theory that around the 10th day is when brood gets capped so that it goes into its pupation cycle. So we're going to say that we're just going to hypothetically mark the 8th of March as day 10. Now, drones traditionally need 24 days to go through and fully mature before they emerge as an adult bee from that pupation cycle. I, a lot of times, you'll hear me say 24 to 26, and that's because temperature plays a big role in the development. If it is warmer, the bee actually develops faster. If it's cooler, the bee develops slower. And giving yourself an extra day or two, especially in this whole, you know, game of drones type scenario where you're really banking it on the drones, giving yourself a buffer of a couple of days is not a bad idea. So we're going to say that from day 10, we still have 16 days before they emerge as an adult bee, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we've got our 16 days, and then if you remember me telling you uh, last week or the week before that they're not sexually mature for at least two to three weeks after they emerge, right? Mm -hmm. So right. let's go ahead and add in 14 more days to this cycle. That's going to give us 30 days from 
today before the drones are really at their sexual peak and ready to go. First April, so, second week in April. Uh, like April 5th ish. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one, two, three, five weeks roughly from today. Mm-hmm. Um, counting this week. So we'll say April 5th then is the soonest that there's going to be adult drones in our area in sufficient quantities, not that there's not any at all, but in sufficient quantities where all the colonies should be up to speed and at the same pace to have enough drones out there of sexual maturity to flood a drone congregation area. So if April 5th is the soonest that can happen, then we've got to rewind backwards and we've got to think about our queen mating cycle to figure out when we can successfully raise queens. Now, I do know individuals that are like, hey, we're just going to run it and we're just going to take a chance, right? Mm-hmm. One of the removals that we did this weekend, I did not ever see the queen. And when I transferred them into their new permanent hive, I did not see the queen. So I'm going to go through and say there's not a queen. And what I did is I took a frame of eggs and larvae from a colony where I do like the genetics and I put it into that box. But I also, when I do the removal, I purposely keep a frame that has eggs and, and newly born larvae in it as well. And I put that in there with them from their own colony so that they've got options in case a scenario like this where the queen did make it. That queen, if they start producing her then immediately right away, then she's got 16 days before she emerges. And then she's going to have another seven days before she leaves to go on her nuptial flight. And again, in our area, that could actually be 14 days, but we're still going to actually, I think on the queen side, instead of giving yourself the buffer of a couple of days, we should actually deduct a couple of days. So let's assume she actually hatches at 14 days and then you've got seven days for her to be sexually mature and ready to mate. But let's rewind that actually to five days because it's five to seven. So on the queen, we're going to shorten ourselves a little bit here to kind of figure hers out. If the queen is going to take 14 days from the time that you purposefully start raising them, that's, oh, also, if you graft, if you're doing grafting, keep in mind that you're supposed to be grafting a larva that is one day old, that just hatched. But if you graft and you goof, or if you do like emergency queen cells because you just take the queen away and you let the colony raise the queens, the very first ones that they start may actually be already a couple of days old. And that could shave off a little bit of time on your calculation. So don't necessarily go with the very first ones, you know, call those out and go with the ones that are bigger and longer and and they put more work into. But okay, so let's say 14 days. And then we're going to add in that extra five days for her to be sexually mature to leave to go do her mating flights. So that is going to put 19 days for the queen. So we've established that there's not any there won't be sufficient drone numbers until again, hypothetically the 5th of April. And then we need to rewind 19 days to see when we should actually start raising Queens. So. Did I lose you? Nope. I was counting backwards. Oh, he's counting backwards. Okay. Yep. Okay. (laughs) So 19 days from the time that we have theorized that there'll be sufficient drone population would actually be the 17th of March. So happy St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) There you go. So starting your queen rearing 
for us in the Austin area, San Antonio area, you know, that central southern central Texas area, starting queen rearing around the 17th of March would put you having an adult queen ready to go out and mate around the 5th of April, which is when we hypothetically think that the drones should have sufficient adult numbers to go out there and, and be readily available to be mated with. That's kind of how you need to do that. So again, just to recap quickly for everybody without the specific dates in there, pay attention to your colonies, do an average of what your colonies are looking like. So if your drones, if, if the big colonies have a lot of drones, but the smaller colonies don't have any, wait until the smaller colonies are at least starting to raise drone brood, right? Or do an approximation and come up with this hypothetical date whenever that is for you. And then add in 30 days whenever you're seeing open larva and capped larva, but no adult drones currently walking around in the colony as your average scenario. Add in 30 days from then to see when your drones are going to be at the right number in an, a sexual maturity age to where they can actually mate. Then subtract 19 days from that. And that's when you can start successfully raising queens so that the queens will actually be at the right age to mate and the drones will be at the right age to mate and you're going to have a higher success rate. Now on the one that I just mentioned, like for my removal colony, that colony, I'm going to have to pay attention to it and I'm going to have to wait and watch and see. She will successfully be raised. There's no question about that. It's just whether or not she successfully gets mated. So what I need to watch for is when she does come back and she starts laying, does she have a good laying pattern? Once they really start capping the brood, that's when you're going to get a better idea of that because you'll see larva no matter what. But then you have to go through and see, were the larva viable? And if they're not viable, the bees will remove them from the cells mm -hmm. before they ever get to the age of being capped. And that's where you start seeing some of these shotgun patterns. It's yep. not because the queen didn't lay an egg in those cells. It's because that egg was inviable. And so they turned around and removed it and or the egg was not fertilized therefore it's a drone and you will either see them remove that or they will do the bullet cap and you're going to have this scattering of bullet caps in the middle of what should all be worker brood and that's how you're going to know okay she wasn't successfully mated and they will take that queen out a lot of times we've had several that we bought queens and put in that were doing the shotgun pattern and would go back in a month or two and that queen is gone and they have they have already have eggs in our you know queen cells in there and and we kill everything but one or two and leave those and you know leave the two biggest ones and let them raise their own and uh, then when they come out they go out and success now we did this a couple we had two colonies last year that did it and raise their own queens and they accepted them and they when they come back they were good I mean, good queens. I don't know what it was, but uh, it was a second gen. Mm -hmm. That goes back to the bees knowing best. And that's mm -hmm. that's ultimately kind of what we should always try to follow is, is not our calendar that we have decided they need to fit. We shouldn't try to shove them into our hole of, of what we think should be going on. We should follow them in their natural path and base our management decisions on what we're seeing from the colonies, not what we're seeing on a calendar. And that's something that I've, I've always been a, been a big advocate for. Uh, if you think back to like honey harvest time, right? You know, we've had those conversations about how, and, and you and I both know somebody who is this way, 
um, yep. where the calendar says you should harvest on July 4th. Well, by God, they're going to go out and they're going to harvest on July 4th, regardless of what's going on. Yep. And the way I look at it is the July 4th date for us is a, again, a hypothetical marker of when you should start paying attention to needing to harvest or not. I know beekeepers that will harvest even earlier than that, especially around the Gulf Coast where they're getting a ton of nectar way earlier than we are. Mm -hmm. And they'll go through and they'll pull out, you know, box upon box upon box of solid capped honey in every frame. And they may be pulling that out in May. And in May, my colonies are just thinking about hitting the main stride of the nectar flow, let alone having... Five boxes of capped honey already, you know. So it, it's all dependent yep. on your region. Um, but that that date, that hypothetical date, is just a visual representation for you to start paying attention. It doesn't mean you're supposed to do it on that day because every year is different, every season's different. It has a different cadence and flow to it. So you just have to learn to read those things and read those signs inside your colony and follow your colony's lead. The scenario you gave is spot on. If I see the queen is doing that and I know that she's not doing well, well, by the time she is old enough to be back, be mated, be laying, and them to cap those brood, then we're already, gosh, she comes back. So we had that, that hypothetical, you know, 19 days in there for her. So let's say that all this coincides and on our hypothetical day of May 5th or April 5th, she comes back and she's fully mated. She waits a week, then starts laying her eggs. So after waiting a week, she is now around Monday, the 12th of April. She has started laying the eggs and then it's 10 days before they cap them. So that's like the 21st of April, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Before you're really going to know, did she successfully get mated? How did she do? How does the pattern look? Did she misfire? Are there lots of empty cells and then scatters of capped drone or capped brood? Or are there scatterings of capped drones in the worker brood? Then you can make that choice. Okay, maybe we need to let them do this process again. And by the middle of April, sometimes you can start finding mated queens available for purchase. Usually mm -hmm. all those go to bee sellers and bee breeders who are selling nukes and packages and stuff. So it's mm -hmm. harder to get a hold of those. But by the time you get to mid-April, from mid-April to mid-May, it starts opening up. And then pretty much from mid-May on, you can get a queen at the drop of a hat from most of the queen breeders around. But if you're doing it yourself, around that time period is when you could then say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take her out. And I'm going to let them do this whole process again. And I'm either going to graft another queen or I'm going to use the NICOT system and raise a queen, or I'm going to let them just do emergency queen cells and hope that we get a better result. But your colony may beat you to the punch exactly like you had just said. Mm -hmm. They may say, okay, this is no, we can already tell by the amount of pheromones that she's producing that she wasn't fully mated. We're taking out 50% of the babies that she's trying to create because they're invalid um, in one way or another. They're, they've got a wrong genetic makeup or they're the wrong sex or just something is wrong with it. So we need to go ahead and fix this ourselves. And they will find an egg that they can sense and smell is actually going to be viable. And they will turn that into a queen that has the right lineage that they want. And then that queen will go out. And now that we're well into April, there's absolutely going to be sufficient drone numbers. So that queen will get successfully mated and she's going to come back and, you know, then everything will be fine. So 
But that's how that's how the beginning of the game of drones works, right? You've got to know your math. You've got to know your timelines, but you have to watch and follow the flow of your colonies and kind of do an average of where they're at. Just because one colony that's super big that managed to make it through the winter with a ton of food has drones already doesn't mean that your area does, right? The, the colonies right. that are in the trees, nobody gave them extra boxes so they could have tons of extra honey. And we don't know how well they did. And we don't know if they manage their food stores as well or if they're going through and they're raising drones yet or not. That's why I base mine on what I'm seeing when I'm doing removals because nobody has touched any of those colonies. Nobody's gone in there and artificially stimulated them unless they live out in Ken's area. Um, <laughs> Mr. I'm going to open feed so the bees in that tree will be nice and strong and they'll send out lots of swarms I can catch. (laughs) That's right. Free bees. Yeah. Normally that's not the case. So that's why I do that. And a lot of times, you know, obviously if if you're not doing bee removals, then you're not going to get that information. So you just do the average of what you're seeing with your colonies and that'll kind of always steer you in the right direction. Following your bees and following their lead is always the best answer. We have up here, I've been watching, been sitting out yesterday when it was warm, watching the bees and the Nesbit, I guess that's what you call it. The purple little purple flower that's all over the ground. Yeah. If it's the are, one that has the, the round kind of jagged edge, but round leaf to it. And then it has a yeah, miniature little it. purple trumpet flower. That's yep. Henbit. Henbit. Okay. Uh, they are hitting those hard. There's thousands of them out in around here and the bees are going in with their back legs full of red pollen. So sure it's the hen bit. Are they also a nectar producer or are they just a pollen producer? Honestly, I don't know. I think any of the trumpet flower type shapes for the bees ultimately end up being nectar only. And that's not because the flower doesn't produce pollen. Mm -hmm. It's because the shape of the flower is intended for butterflies, moths, and hummingbirds that have a longer tongue that can reach down Mm -hmm. in there. So therefore the bee doesn't really get up inside that flower like they would some of the others and they don't really get the pollen on them. So I would say that on those, it's, it's just going to be nectar for the hen bit specifically. Your dandelion is going to be pollen and nectar. They're not really a trumpet style looking flower. It opens up and it's got the red, uh, middle and, uh, the bees are all over them. I mean, they're con- they're just fly from a trip, flower to flower, hitting them. And uh, then you sit there at the hive, and their bees are coming in covered uh, with uh, red pollen. So uh, they got a natural pollen. I noticed that the blue bonnets, I'll send you pictures of those, have started. They're not blooming yet, but they're, get, they're farming the spear. So we're fixing being the pollen. Well, the blue bonnets, blue bonnets do make a deep red pollen. Mm -hmm. So if you're seeing red pollen, it could be from there. It could be somewhere else too. Um, The pollen that I saw this weekend was orange, like Halloween orange colored Mm -hmm. is what I saw the bees bringing in. So, uh, you know, again, it all depends on the area and the region and and what you see. But hopefully here pretty soon, things will start coming back into play. One of the things we mentioned at the beginning of the show that, you know, your radio segment and Mm -hmm. something that we were touching on there that is not going to be 
this shouldn't be a shock to most of our listeners because most of our listeners are beekeepers and hopefully they already realize this, but there's been a lot of people online that are suddenly in a panic. Oh my God, this Arctic blast that came through and yeah, all the bees are dead or there's been huge die-offs of colonies. And yes, that can be true. I did lose a colony from pure cold alone, but Mm -hmm. not every beekeeper necessarily can guarantee why they lost their colonies because they may not do the checks that they should and keep it, you know, sufficient notes (laughs) to say. We didn't lose a colony here. No, you guys, you guys did good. Yeah, you guys did good. But not, you know, again, not every beekeeper can tell you when was your last mite check? How many mites did your colony have going into winter? How much food stores did they have going into winter? How big was the colony population size? All of those things, even in a mild winter, can play a huge role in whether or not that colony survives. So because they died doesn't necessarily mean that they died due to the bitter cold. You know, bees up north survive in that bitter cold for months on end every year, and they're fine. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's a lot of things that factor into it. But what you should not be doing is all of the hype that you see online where they're like, oh, my God, we need to help the bees. We need to help the bees. Cut open yeah, fruits put, and lay them out yeah. there and, and, and you know, cut open oranges even and apples. Sugar water, and, there's one I saw where even sugar water, I said, put sugar water out. Bees love it. No. I'm sitting there and so do the wasp and the yellow jackets. and Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't do sugar water. Absolutely don't do honey ever, 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 ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what's going to happen is if you cut open fruit and you put it out there, yeah, some honeybees may come to it. But again, wasps and squirrels and other things are probably going to partake of it before the bees do. And yeah. you're not, one article was talking about luring bees back into your area. That's not going to lure bees into your area. If you put a food source in a beehive, the bees aren't going to move into that hive because there's a food source there and they don't want to live in a restaurant. So that's, commander in yeah, it's not going to happen like that. <laughs> so you shouldn't be doing these things. It It's going to potentially, if say a colony does start partaking in because you put out sugar water or something else, only the strongest colonies are going to actually be able to partake in that. So you're only helping the ones that already didn't need any help anyway. You're not helping the weaker ones. And what you're doing is committing, you're creating a communal food source where bees and wasps and other like native pollinators all congregate to try to take this food, which makes them easy prey for predators. It easily allows disease to be transmitted from insect to insect and parasites like mites can go from one bee to the other. And so you're spreading a lot more harm than the good that you're thinking that you're trying to do. So don't ever do that. If you really want to help, if you are a beekeeper and you, your hives need fed, feed each individual hive internally that's how you help that hive. So then you know the weak hive is truly getting all the sugar that you gave it instead of open feeding and having the stronger hives taking it and the weak ones still starving. If you're not necessarily a beekeeper, make sure that there's nice, clean, circulating water sources out there for the bees where they can land and they've got stuff to land on so they can get drinks. And make sure that there's plenty of flowers. Go plant more wildflower seeds. Go help yep. you know rehabilitate nature and plant more flowers that are going to be beneficial to all pollinators. That's going to do better in the long run because the bees themselves, from what I've seen, most of them are fine. And if you consider, especially when they take in the numbers from like commercial beekeepers, you know they're still saying that in America we still lose forty to fifty percent of our colonies every year due to mites and disease and colony collapse and God knows what else. Right. Well, a 20 percent loss because of this freeze is still far lower than what the national average is for us on colony losses. So it's Mm -hmm. it's hype that's unneeded 
And their solutions that you see out there online are way unfounded and will do more harm than good. So don't do that. Don't ever do the, you know, that like, was it last year, the year before? I think it was a year before. There was this whole push on like, oh, if you see a bee on the sidewalk and it's walking around, you should get some honey and feed it or you should get some sugar syrup and feed it, you know, and you can do a little spoon and sit down there. And then this company started selling these damn little sugar packets of liquid sugar that were specifically for emergency bee food so you could feed a single bee. And again, you should not do that because if you feed it honey, you could have pathogens in that honey that are either a fungus or other type of disease. The fungus, the spores of the funguses that are really bad, like American fowl brood and European fowl brood, do not die even if they pasteurize them. So that could be in that honey because you don't know where it came from. If you just did store-bought honey and you put it out there, that bee takes it and then those those little sporadic cells are in there and they carry that back to their colony and then they kill the entire colony because you were trying to help this one bee and also the nature of bees when they know they're sick and they know there's something wrong with them they purposefully leave to go die on their own for the betterment of the entire colony that way they take whatever is ailing them with them away from the colony so that it doesn't spread and if you see that bee out there and the bees walking around yeah it is probably in need and it is probably dying for various reasons, but that's part of the cycle of life of how a colony actually works. And you should not intervene with that because you, again, could do more harm than good. So there you so go. What you're saying that is, is that what you're saying is stomp the damn thing and get it out of its uh, memory. Out of its <laughs> I did not say that. Yeah, I, what you said. I, I would I, say leave it alone <laughs> and let nature take its course. Whatever it's <laughs> out there for doing, if it just needed a rest, let it rest, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but don't don't start feeding it things that it would not have come across on its own accord because you think you're helping. That's the main part. Leave the bees alone, damn it. <laughs> yeah, give it some eggs and bacon. I think that would go back over okay. to the wasps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yellow jackets, man, they would love them some eggs and bacon. That'd be all good. Yep, that'd work. Yep. Now, before you run off, when should we start putting mediums on? I know we've talked, me and you've talked about it and you said middle of this month. So should we start putting mediums on? Um, neither. We'll talk about that later when it's appropriate okay. time for you to do it. Okay. So not yet. So that's like your answer. Middle of this month. <laughs> middle of this month. Yeah. Like I said, the middle of this month for us, um, so for, we'll for other areas up week. north. <laughs> for other areas up north, uh, that that may not be the case. So yeah, but we will we will talk about that as a <laughs> quick highlight of that. What okay. you should again, what you should base it on is what's going on inside your colony. If you already have frames or bars of drawn empty comb that the bees can utilize, and you're going to mm -hmm. add a box of drawn comb, and the colony is strong enough to guard it, and that means literally. Every single frame inside the other box is comprised of brood or food solid and you're worried about them swarming and you've got drawn comb, you can go ahead and add on that other box. But if they've okay. only used three of the 10 frames and three or of them frames. are capped food and they've still right. got four frames in there that they've not done anything with, they don't need that additional box yet. Okay. In addition to that, if you don't have drawn comb and they're going to have to draw out the comb, they need mm -hmm. a nectar source. And if there's no nectar source available, then you're going to have to start feeding. And if the temperatures in your area are still not average above 60 degrees Fahrenheit, you shouldn't be feeding a liquid, which is what they're going to need is the one-to-one -one solution to do that. 
So it's not time to add that box yet. So again, you got to base it on your circumstances in your area, but um, I have not added any boxes to any of my colonies. Okay. That's I'm that. going to start probably mixing boxes and putting drawn comb and uh, foundation, every other one, and getting them ready for next week or later this week to start putting some comb on because our bees are getting big. We're getting some big colonies. We're checking them Tuesday. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Well, we'll look forward for Thanks. an update for that next week. Well, everybody, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Hopefully your, uh, your bee math and drone talk will help you out on your beekeeping this year. If you're planning on raising your own Queens and kind of want to know when it's a good time to do your splits and to start that process, that'll help you along the way. And we'll have a bonus episode coming up this week as well on Thursday for our Patreon members. Uh, next week, you can look forward to an interview with Steve from Hives for Heroes. We're going to touch in with Hives for Heroes and see how that organization is doing and kind of give you guys some pointers on ways that you can help if you would like. So look forward to that. We'll do it. Say bye, everybody. And bye. <laughs> Be good, everybody. Bye-bye. It's time for our guys to buzz off but don't fret the hive jive journey continues with new episodes mondays every month until then you can follow along with the guys on facebook and instagram at the hive jive thanks for listening and be safe out there